Hello, this is Impact Ed, and I'm H.D. Chambers with A-Leaf ISD. Thank you for joining today's episode. Uh, today's topic is going to be something of, of the utmost importance, uh, not only in schools, but just in our society in general, and that is the, the security, the safety and security that, that we attempt to provide students across our school district. We attempt to provide the adults in our school district, uh, as does uh, every school system in the country, particularly in the, over the last several years with a heightened alert of security and safety issues, you know, uh, shootings, things as severe as, as children and students using firearms to things that you don't really hear about in the paper every single day. And many times you don't hear about it because of what law and, you know, what some of the law enforcement officers as well as school districts do to prevent and to be proactive. So I'm joined today by two of ALEAF ISD's police officers. And for those that are listening to this to this podcast, you may or may not know this, but we have our own school district police department. And it is a uh, full-fledged law enforcement agency, no different than a constable's office or a sheriff's office or, you know, a city police department. Uh, the only difference is they provide safety and security and support uh, to our school district, to our students and our staff. So I'm, I'm joined today by uh, Henry Bonaparte and Chris Sherman, and I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves and their title, and and just give us a little background about their about their uh, their travels to uh, to where they are right now. But we're going to get into some some details about some things that not only Aleph is doing, but just in general, uh, how these men approach providing protection for our kids and our staff. So with that, thank you, gentlemen, for being here, um, Captain Bonaparte. I'm going to turn it over to you. Hi, I'm Henry Bonaparte. I've uh, been a police officer now for 35 years. Uh, started out at the local level, worked at, I've worked at the county level, I've also worked at the state, and now this is my 25th year here in A-Leaf, so I kind of call this home. Uh, I, uh, during my tenure here, I've worked as a campus officer, an investigator, a field supervisor, and now I'm the administrative officer for the department. Thank you. Appreciate you, Henry. Chris? Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning, Captain. <laughs> um, I'm Christopher Sherman, I'm recently retired from the Houston Police Department. I've been um, given the the, the humble um, and, and, and great position, uh, opportunity to work here. Um, throughout my career with HPD, the majority of my career was as a, in a patrol function. Um, one of my years out of my 25 years, I was in what they call community service, dealing with the youth of, um, of the city, um, being with HPD. And now that I'm here, this is my second year. My first year was at O'Donnell as a campus police officer. Um, I learned a lot from my captain, my chief. Uh, one thing that I learned and that, that I'm really grateful for that I thought it was going to be a little bit different when I was with HPD, and that was being able to build the relationships not only with the staff but the students. With HPD, it was a whole other world because, you know, we're dealing with over 2 million people, and I might be dispatched to your home and see you one day and, and have to assist you save your life or make your a police report, mm -hmm. and the chances of me ever seeing you again are slim to none. Where here in a school-based policing, I have the opportunity to see, work with, and, and help staff and students five days a week, eight hours a day. Learning experience, it was easily adaptable for me having the supervision of the our chief and captain because they stressed how crucial it is transitioning from a police officer on the streets as I was with Houston, to school-based, where it's, it's, it's imperative that we form that relationship, and it's imperative that 
we have a little bit, we all supposed to have compassion and understanding and patience. But I think with, with, with my guidance that it's it's been even above and beyond that. So that's where I am now. <laughs> that's where I, I, I was brought to and working, you know, it's become a humble, a very humbling experience. And uh, I'm grateful. So that's enough about me. <laughs> now I'm ready with the captain and Mr. Chambers, any questions that in regards to the, the canine? And, and again, uh, I guess, you know what, because I am so grateful and humble that I'm here with a whole new career, you're going to hear it a thousand times. <laughs> but I'm done for now. <laughs> well, and, and I'm, I'm glad you talk, talked a little bit about the transition from um, a police officer working for a, you know, a city police department versus working in a school system. Uh, Henry, I, I mean, you've been doing this a long time in the yes, school sir. system. What are the things that you... Chief Turner, when y'all when y'all when y'all hire officers coming out of other law enforcement agencies, what are some of the characteristics you're looking for? I would say the number one characteristic that we're looking for is someone who is approachable. There are a lot of police officers who can be police officers. I think it takes a special mantra, if you will, to be able to be in a school, interact with kids all day long, see the kids transgress, and help them make that progress. Amen. I've been lucky in my career that. Uh, some of my former students are now administrators mm-hmm. in the district, and I'm, I still get called Officer B, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it takes me back 20, 25 years. But I think that building of relationships, I think that the campus-based officer is one of the few times where a lot of our kids will see a police officer in a positive setting. Yep. He's here to help, and they know he's here to help, and he's a constant fixture. And even if they don't know the officer's name, they know if they walk up to the officer and they say, can you tell me how to find Mrs. Smith's class that that officer's going to say, hey, yeah, it's, it's down the hall, and it's going to be a positive interaction. I'm glad you brought that up. That's, you know, many people listening to conversations about school safety and school security like this one, a lot of them may ask, so why does a school district have to have its own police department? And and I think, obviously, the three of us are aware of this, and people that are in, in the education field and security for education understands it. I, I want the audience to understand that there's several reasons for law enforcement in, in schools, in the school setting, none the least of which is to provide safety and security, obviously, first and foremost. But beyond that, there are many kids, particularly in urban settings, that their only view of law enforcement is of the negative, as you know better than I do. I call it mean mugging. Mean yes. mugging? Yeah. Police officers with the mean mugging. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of it, sometimes they feel like they have to look mean, so they're not, they're not either offended or, 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 or assaulted or jumped on, but also an intimidation factor. And, you know, I don't agree with it, but that's where the training comes in and, and the understanding. So, yes. I, so, Officer Sherman, your, your transition from, from HPD to, the, to a school officer and you've only, this is your second year. Uh, you mentioned earlier when you were introducing yourself the training you received when you got here. What, but in your mind, what did you do to, to transition from the mindset of showing up to someone's home or showing up to the scene of, a, of an issue versus working with a bunch of teenagers? Well, personally for me, it was some of it had to do with my age as well in, in life and my life's experiences. And we've had this discussion before, becoming more humble. More meek, yeah. um, to become more meek. The guidance and the training that both the captain and the chief had provided to us in regards to the difference of dealing with the students and dealing with, you know, people in society. You know, most of the time, 99.9% of the times when I was with HPD, people don't call you to respond to their home or their business to say, hey, officer, thank you, you did a good job. They're calling because they've been robbed, mm-hmm. they've been assaulted, their home was burglarized. With the, the guidance, we also had to take a, a two-day 
state-mandated course on school-based policing. And that teaches us some of the do's and don'ts. And we and that's part of the program that both the chief and the captain were, were actually, it was, it was, it wasn't. It, it, it was a policy. You had to attend yeah. this this, right. this class, and this class not only had live interaction, but also had video footage of students and police officers' interactions of do's and don'ts. So when you're on the outside looking in and seeing how a police officer might deal with a student or a staff in their compassionate, kind mm-hmm. and understanding, you're like, okay. And when you see an officer that's mean mugging, or let's just let's be honest, we watch TV sometimes. Some police officers. Just like some citizens could be abusive, mm-hmm. so we 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 learn because you're on the outside now looking in, saying, "Wow, you know what? That does look pretty pretty negative." Right. So to touch on what you said, I think that law enforcement and the position—correct me if I'm wrong—captain that our captain and our chief has is that police officers are part of the community. Mm-hmm. They should be just as students, as teachers, administrators, superintendents are part of the community, and. Again, something that you touched on, and, and we all watch the news. There's been, there's been a bridge. This is my perspective on it. There's been a bridge that has been damaged with the community, inner city community, and some law enforcement officials. And Captain knows, and the chief know that. You know, I'm again grateful and humble that I have honored that I have the the ability to to change that perception on, on law enforcement. So the school based policing. To me, I think it's a great thing for the community, great thing for the students. Like the captain said as well, you know, something that the students see that we're here on, on a positive note, not just a mean mug note. And I think that's very, very important that the kids do see that we're here as an asset. You know, there are a lot of times you get the what if questions. You get the what if this happened at home, then what should I do? Yeah. And, you, and you're able to, to act more as an advisor right. and as a resource than than actually being a police officer. And then when that exigent circumstance comes, guess what? Instead of you having to yell at a kid and say, hey, I need you to I, I need you to move, a kid will they will follow your directives because you have been interacted with them. That relationship helps, especially Amen. in the emergency situation. It really, really helps. Because you're able today. But yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Because you're able to go in. Right. And I'm even talking about and yes, we do run a campus based program, but I have an elementary program also where 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 my guys actually go into the elementary schools and they walk the buildings and they stop and talk with kids and and, and that kind of stuff. So the kids grow up feeling like uh, uh, it's normal to be around a police officer, a police officer is here to help you, and you can approach a police officer, which I think is extremely important. I completely agree. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, Officer Sherman, you were talking, something happened today. Uh, I know you didn't mention this in your introduction, but your your current role uh, at Taylor High School, one of our large comprehensive high schools, your current role is is basically a response that our district had uh, to one of the many responses, but one of the responses we had to uh, to the last several years of school shootings, just people coming on the onto campuses that that shouldn't be there, or bringing things on the campus they shouldn't. And I think the, I think for the audience's perspective, I, I want to I'm gonna keep saying this. There's you know our, a large district like ours. We had forty seven thousand kids and sixty five six thousand five hundred adults with the surrounding community. Uh, we're a we're a mid-sized city, and so whatever happens in a big city, you run the risk of it happening. And then, uh, anytime correct. you get forty-seven to fifty-five thousand people together, some something 
you know, things are not uh, not always going to be perfect. What I what I enjoy, what I like, is that this district is proactive and has always been proactive re- related to safety and security. So, so one of the things we did to try to to be proactive and to react to what has occurred, the district purchased uh, what's called vapor dogs. And I'm going to ask you to maybe just give a little explanation about about your experience with the the dogs, what the purpose of the dog is, and the capabilities of the dog. Just so the person listening to this has a good understanding of of what the dogs are there for, what they're not there for, and kind of your role as the as the as the trained professional as part of the canine unit. Absolutely. You know, one thing, if I may, just touch on. I don't know why I don't understand this as a law enforcement officer, but some people say it's it's taboo or we can't talk about school shootings. Again, I hate to keep saying using the same word, but I'm grateful that, you know, we're not afraid to hear because uh, let's be realistic. We watch TV, the news, they occur and they occur. One is too frequent. Mm-hmm. We see a lot more than that. And to step up to the plate, it's I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm sure the community is too, to, to invest in, in us and, and the vapor dogs. So the vapor dogs, yeah. you know, there's so much to talk about, so much that I've learned. First, I'd like to say that the school that we went to Mm-hmm. was a very informative school, very difficult school. It's no joke. Uh, it's a four-week training class that we have to learn everything from chemicals to explosives to dealing with the dogs, the, the caring for the dog, um, the nutrition for the dog, the exercise for the dogs, and living with us. It's like having a whole other child ourselves, which is important for the bonding with the dog and, and, their, and their performance. So our dogs... I hate the dogs. Our, do- <laughs> our dogs, our dogs are, they're German Shepherd. Mine's a German Shepherd, full German Shepherd, European import. And then we have what they call Malaherds, which is a combination of a Malinois and a German Shepherd. And the selection process, not only for the officers, but a selection process that the chief and captain make for the dogs is very crucial. And obviously by the performance, our dogs have been been performing very, very well. Some things that I learned that I think it's good for, for the citizens and the students and kids to learn is the things that I've learned, which is amazing. And I'll just give you an example in regards to my dog, Tony. My dog's name is Tony. As humans, in our nostril passages, in order to smell and, and pick up odor, we have 5 million, scientifically that they've proven, 5 million receptors to, to absorb and, and determine those odors. Tony, that they know of, and they, they think that it, it supersedes that, but has 300 to 350 million. So just think about that difference. And it all depends, too, on the size of their nose. Like, that's why the German Shepherd, they have a long snout. You know, you see the Rottweiler, mm-hmm. s- smaller snout. Um, Boxer, smaller snout. German Shepherd was a phenomenal breed that, that was developed because of the, the, the genetic, not only just the genetics, but the, the, the characteristics of the dog. Right. So think about it. Five million receptors as a human. 300 to 350 million receptors as a canine. So they have the ability, and one of the things that we learned, it's called, and to break it down for, for, for someone that doesn't know anything about canines. So. It's the theory of soup, okay? So you come home, and there's a pot of soup on. You can tell if it's chicken or beef. The dog comes in. The dog can tell you that there's celery, there's black pepper, there's white pepper, there's oregano, yeah. there are carrots. He can break it down. He can break it down. That's, di- that's the level of sensitivity that we're talking about. And that's a, that's a, 
poor assimilation, but, but, but just to give you an idea no, no, yeah, yeah, the, the, of just how sensitive these, these animals are, they start training these animals right at four months old on sense. Yeah. They're trained on sense, and they don't actually work with a specific handler until they're at least a year old. And then, and then at a year old, that's when we start looking at them as possible pairings. And we look at them as teams. So when we go and we assess a dog, I'm looking for things like I want a healthy, happy, well-adjusted, playful dog. I want a dog that's energetic, that's, that wants to learn, that wants to please a master. Right. I want a dog that I'm, I'm not really that concerned about a dog being that obedient because that we can teach. Mm-hmm. But that energy and that drive, that's what we need to have right away. Once the dogs are vapor trained and they're paired, then we actually go and we sit down and we look at our personnel and our canines, and we try to match them up. Certain the dogs and dogs and people. Yeah, we're those not, person, yeah, yeah those, that's probably where I got the oldest, the most laid back. Well, I'm going to tell you that, that that was a consideration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 you, you know, we really do try to match them up so that those dogs are are an extension of the officer. Actually, yeah. you know, you know, we have a seasoned officer. You know, or we have a dog that he's seasoned, so he's not uncomfortable in his uniform. Now that dog picks up no tension from him. That dog is very comfortable in the environment and all the dog wants to do is please him by working. Yep. You know, one thing I think that is also that important that we incorporated Captain, the chief and myself and the other canine officers that we discussed, which was really important because my philosophy was one day the kids are all at school. Next thing they know, they see this big burly police officer walking through the hallways with this big German shepherd. So we came up with that I discussed with the kids. Our job, our main purpose for this dog is the school safety, the staff safety and the student safety. Has nothing to do with the dog there to go after the kids, nothing like that. And some people have made, well, why do you have a dog? When you explain to them, which I think it's crucial that I have and we have, is that the dog's here for your safety. The dog's here to prevent someone from coming in, bringing something that shouldn't be brought to school, whether it's explosives, guns, knives. You know, another thing that we don't realize that our dogs, it's a, they're a weapon dog as well. So when people ask me, what, what can your dog detect? Same thing when it comes to knives, even numchuk. The, the dog is trained to pick up on the chemicals or the particles or the materials of what makes these things up. So they can pick up on a, on a knife? Yes. 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 Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so when I explain that to the kids and the staff, there was a much better understanding, not that they didn't understand to begin with, but a, a, a better appreciation, mm-hmm. I guess, that I got from the staff. Well, I know there, there have been, you know, some people, we had you guys at a board meeting several months ago just to show off. And, you know, there's people that first thing they want to think of is, oh, my God, they're going to have those dogs on our kids. Right. Come and, on. And, and that's what I kind of what I said. Come on, really. You know, that's you really think that's going to going to happen. And I, and I think that's a, that's an unrealistic reaction. I think that's just something to. To, to try to garner a little debate. But this idea of the dogs, for example, I mean, you can't go to an airport without and not And not see a number of dogs. Exactly. Yes, and, yes. And, and they're not out attacking anybody that's getting no. ready to fly. They're just, they're sniffing like you. Like Amen. You. And the way that the dogs are taught to alert, it's not, it, it's even a passive alert. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, it's not a go to the source. It's, it's identify the source and then, and, and then they give a passive signal t- to the handler. So there's no aggression there in, in the training process at all. For the most part, what we say is don't touch the dogs because what happens is, every, you know, 
who knows where your hands have been and yeah. who knows who, who you've shook yeah. hands with. Yeah. It's, it's really for the general health and well-being of the dogs that we ask people not to pet them. Right. Chris, you, you've, in your, your experience with the dog, how's the kids reacted once, once they understood what it was there for and what they're going to do and what they're not going to do? What, how have the kids reacted? You know, in the beginning, I could tell the kids, again, here I am one day, I, I appear in their school and I'm walking through the halls with my dog. And, but once I talk to them, they're all very receptive. And, I, and I, have, I have had a couple of kids initially in the beginning that said, why do we have dogs here? When I broke it down to them and explained to them it's for your safety and protection, they, uh, they, they got it yeah. and they get it. And I've even gone to, I thought I, I pretty much got, have, have attended every classroom and just to explain to the kids, and not only that, but as a deterrent yeah. to let them sure. know why the dog is here and, and, hey, listen, if you bring something to school. My philosophy has been with the kids and now with my dog is if you don't want me to act like a police officer, don't make me act like a police officer. Conduct yourself appropriately. Follow your school policies. Follow the laws, rules, regulations. And we're all happy-go-lucky. And, you know, when you break it down to them, 99.9 and yeah. 9 tenths, they get it. Yeah. So yeah. it's been it's been it's been positive. There's been a couple of staff members that and again initially that questioned why. But then when I explained to them, you know, it, I'm here to protect you. You guys are going to be running out that door if something were to occur. Right. Tony and I we're running in yeah. that door to to prevent and protect. So they're like, "Oh, okay." So yeah, I can see I get you in that board meeting, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I think if we just look at the utilization of Vapor Dogs Super Bowl, oh, NBA yeah. playoffs, right. the, the the political conventions. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you get a large number of people around, it, 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 not only are they a visible deterrent because people wonder about the capability of of the dog, but the dogs actually are a deterrent because they're working the entire time. Mm-hmm. Can't help but work. Yes, yes. Well, when you guys, when when this was brought to my attention as a option or as a possibility, I, the, the thing that popped in my mind immediately was short of building a fortress around our schools and making it look like a prison to keep people who may want to do bad things out of our schools. Short of doing that, the best thing that you could do is have some type of strategy that identifies who may be bringing something bad. Right. I mean, who, and could, a deterrent. And, uh, exactly. I mean, so you th- have our patrol car parked out front of a school that says police canine on it. And you're going to come up and, and try and commit something against the school. You're going to think twice about that. Yes. Right. You know, right. Just like you have a, st- a police officer on a street corner. You're not going to have a dope deal on a street corner because you have the police officer. Right there. Same thing with us and our dogs. And, the, and our, you know, the best thing that you guys ever did was to come up with that. Let's get these vehicles and let's n- note that they're canine. Mm hmm great deterrent. I'd rather have a deterrent than than an actual confrontation. Oh, absolutely. And I'd like for you, if you don't mind, to talk a little bit about the capabilities of the dog. You mentioned the, the, the science behind their ability to scent. But, you know, what's a realistic capability of the dog? Because uh, as I was saying, you know, I was wanting something to prevent anyone from getting into a school. You know, every school used to say that could never happen at our school. Right. Look at it now. Yeah, we can. I mean, things like this, and I, and I want to be very clear about Aleph. Our schools are safe. They were safe before the the dogs. But like any other environment, you you can't be complacent, and you can't assume something like that could ever could never happen in your school. I'll guarantee you, Santa Fe High School never thought in a million years that would happen to them. That's what I was saying them. earlier. You know, unfortunately, we have not we, but some people have this theory of you know taboo. We don't let's not talk about it. If you don't talk about it, you're not prepared. Yeah. 
You know, and, and you're absolutely right. And uh, correct me if, if I'm wrong, but it seems like we have more of an issue in the, in the United States than any other countries. I mean, is that would that be a feasible assumption from what I see and what we hear in the news? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know the data. I know that the United States has documented, you know, in the last twenty or thirty years, they've documented a lot more of those of those of these types of events. But they happen. I mean, you can you hear about them in, in other countries, particularly you know uh, from terroristic threats and things of that nature. But you know, going to this to this idea of of preventing, trying to be a deterrent, I find it fascinating. I mean, just absolutely fascinating. These dogs, the capability of the dogs, Henry, and what they can do. We, the, these dogs have the ability. I can I can go into a a school this evening and I can place not a firearm. I can place one round of ammunition in one classroom, and I can turn that dog loose, and that dog will find that one round of ammunition. That's within that. That's within an entire school building. And that's a three hundred thousand square foot building. Three hundred thousand square foot from the classroom. That is correct. That is correct. That is that is how how meticulously effective their sense of smell is. But if I could add, mm-hmm. what was astonishing to me, and I've had it happen at Taylor during food frenzy, where they, all these different companies come in with food and parents come in with cupcakes and hamburgers, Tony will literally walk by. You could throw a filet mignon on the floor. He will not care. His job is there to work. And they, some of the parents and, and the, the teachers were saying, your dog doesn't even look at the food. They're so focused. No, that's they'll, what, they'll bypass the steak on the floor to really? go get to that the chemical or the or the, the adults won't do that. No, adults just stop and get the steak. <laughs> no, and that's what we look forward to in that selection process. That drive, that that drive to work, wow. that drive to want to please. They they they're extremely extremely effective. And we do continual training with our dogs. Our dogs train at least twice a month, mm-hmm. varying locations, varying scenarios. They they and and they have to prove their worth. In addition to an annual recertification where the dog will go through basically a mini academy all over again to right. make sure that they stay sharp and they stay on it. And that's national. That, that that's a national certification that national. these dogs have to that's achieve. That's no joke. The dogs themselves, what's the average work life of a working dog like this? Because of the way that we work our dogs, uh, and we've had dogs previously, we've been getting eight, nine years out of a dog. Because of their workload, mm-hmm. they can, they will last a lot longer than maybe a uh, your typical patrol, patrol dog. Okay. Because these dogs are not chasing suspects. They're not right. doing that kind of, so they're not, they're actually their most important and most valuable weapon is that nose, and we keep that nose highly trained. So even as the dog ages and gets a, and gets to mm-hmm. nine and double-digit years, our last dog we retired uh, was 11 years old. He was still pretty sharp. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He, his hips wouldn't let him go, but he was still pretty sharp. So that's a pretty good shelf life for a dog. It is. That, that, that really is. And the the relationship between the dog and the and it's officer, Chris. For me, father and son. Is father right? and son. Yes, sir. He uh, comes to work with me, comes home with me. What's funny, because when I leave in the mornings, I'll go out and say hi if, if it's my day off. And the first thing he'll do is he'll sniff my boot, sniff whatever shoe I'm wearing or the pants that I'm wearing. See if they're To see if it's my unit, work-related or not. If it's work-related, <laughs> that tail starts wagging and he, he's ready to go. If wow. it's not, he'll, he'll go back into his kennel and be like, oh, okay, like mm-hmm. a little son. Daddy, we can't play ball today. So, yeah, it's, it's a father and son type of a relationship. Yeah. 24-7. Yeah. And, and when he retires, he's yours, correct? Well, that's going to be up to the captain and the chief. What I mean, it? 
But well, in terms of the actually, you and Captain Inch. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> yeah, well, we're on a topic, sir. Let me see now. So, well, well, I got deal. witnesses. Make a deal, right? I got, we got it. We got this recorded. Well, what we found that is that after a dog has a has a good long service life, they've ingrained themselves into that handler's life yeah. as a, as a, and it's not it's not fair to the dog nor to the handler because right. they really are some symbiotic relationships that develop there and 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 it's good and we encourage that. Well, I'm, yeah, I, I would assume it almost has to. I, I I've never trained a dog like that. I've trained a lab before to bird hunt and the relationship you get with that dog, that working dog. Yes. Yeah, it's it's. I've got kids. I wouldn't put it above my kids, but uh, yeah, it's a close knit yes. relationship. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, speaking of kids, if I may, one thing that again, not just as the captain touched on about his abilities in regards to finding the bullet in the school, but my first day on campus with Tony, and you have the bell ring, and you have thousands of kids in the hallway, like you would be in Grand Central Station, mm-hmm. and. Because of the selection process that the chief, the captain, um, did in regards to the dogs and their, their their DNA and their experience, I was a little bit concerned because you know you have, you know, what fifteen hundred kids during the bell ringer probably at, at yeah closer to twenty five hundred moving yeah. now simultaneously that in a confined area yeah with a dog and you know what. The first few days, Tony was like a kid in the candy store in regards to looking around, like, okay, what's going on? And then they totally conformed to their environment as a chameleon does. Yeah. So that that was something that was very, very impressive to me, not just the ability to, to, to detect, but the ability to conform. If you have uh, someone that parks in the parking lot and Tony's out monitoring the perimeter of the school before school or during the school day, and and they either have a, a bullet in their pocket or a firearm or a knife. What's the what's the sign that he gives you? Oh, now wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you're my boss. You're my superintendent. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you like I have to tell the students because the students ask the same question. Officer you can't Sherman, tell me. You can't what does your dog it. do when he alerts? You can't say. I'm not going to give it. No, nice. heck, no. Because we'll know that the dog alerts. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll yes. Know. And it'll be subtle. It's a, and and there again. And for those listening, it is a non-aggressive alert. But but it's, ver- it's very well communicated to the handler that, that he has alerted. Good. Well, I'm glad you told me that, too, so the kids can say, well, you told the superintendent, none of your dang business. <laughs> none of your business. Well, you know, some of the kids say, Officer Sherman, does your dog alert on, on drugs, too? You know what my response to that was? Yes, no, maybe so. <laughs> and they get it. I, yeah, I just, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. The, I think... Yeah, going back to safety and security, the whole purpose of this, in many cases, uh, you have to be secretive about, you know, you don't, you can't give away your plan or, or your reaction or your strategy. Well, I, I think what happens is, is once you build up that pair, that canine handler and that canine, and they start to communicate so well, uh, there's a lot of subtle signs that he'll pick up on his dog mm-hmm. that unless you unless you're really familiar with the training process that you won't even see you'll see what's known as uh and I'll get this away a change of behavior okay yeah. so that's dog, it though no yeah. more captain come okay. on I, no. I got to respect my authority but no more that's it that's so it. you'll see so he'll notice a change yeah. in behavior yeah. and that'll yeah. be and 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 that may not be obvious to to onlookers, but because they have that relationship, he knows what the behaviors are. He sees that change, and that and that says to him, oh, "Okay, something's in close proximity, so mm-hmm. we need to work a little harder." Yeah. You know. 
Yep. I know we're talking about Tony and Officer Sherman and Taylor High School, but we've got three of these dogs. That is correct. At our comprehensive high schools. How, do you and the other canine officers talk, compare notes? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's part of our training program. That's part of the criteria that the chief and captain both. And by the way, you know, it's a camaraderie. It's a little bit different of a camaraderie than it would be with the patrol or a campus police officer because I might call up my my partners in the canine and say, hey, look, my dog's got this issue or my dog had, you know, a little bit of a so- soft stool today. Have you experienced that? Um, so, yes. But, yes, we also have to meet, as the captain said, we, we train every two weeks, sometimes every week. Sergeant Gonzalez, he's also part of the program where he comes out sometimes as well and assists us. So I'm either on the phone with or in the office of Sergeant Gonzalez, the chief and the captain, pretty much on a weekly basis. Um, so absolutely, that's that's part of the program. And depending upon the situation, like we had one situation where we did receive a bomb threat. I brought two dogs in. They started at opposite ends of the building. In time, it took us 18 minutes to clear the building, check the building, and get the kids back in, the entire building. 18 minutes. 18 minutes. So you took 1,500 kids out. Swept a big old building and Swept big, got them and back put, into school. And put them back to school. You know, as a, as a parent or as a taxpayer, you're, I hope there's some comfort. Not only the safety, but the, the, the money issue. Yeah, regard, exactly. And the, and the time the kids are, are spending in classroom or out of the classroom. Because well, I remember with HPD, when I was with HPD, we used to get bomb threats all the time. Yeah. And, you know, realistically, 99.99 tenths, you know, there's not anything to it. But it's still a threat that you have to address. Right. So what does that take out, whether it's a business take out of their, their bottom line, or the school where our bottom line is the, 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 the students in, in the class. Classroom. In the classroom. classroom, yes. So I think the, 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 that aspect of it is, is, is obviously nowhere near as important as their safety, but it's, it's, it's a contributing factor to the benefit of these dogs. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree. By the way, you said, I think you're setting a trend, both the captain, chief, and, and yourself, because I've had a lot of other agencies yeah, that have reached out. And I've received a number of inquiries asking about the selection process. How did we go about it? Actually, what they're asking is, how did you talk to your superintendent? I was going to say that. They said, how did you do it? I heard that one. How did you? <laughs> and, I, and, and I said, well, we sit down and we, we have real discussions about keeping people safe mm-hmm. and employing the most modern technology that's available. And, I, it, and although it's ancient, in that we're using canines, it is modern in the in the way that we're using. And it's them. coming back around. It's, it's I, the the two people that I talked to in other districts said that they've already in the process of finding dogs yes. and, and, and trainers, and that's just the ones that I know. Right. And that's just here in the Houston area. So, I mean, I think uh, I'm getting emails from all over the country at this point in time, wanting to know how did how did we set up the program? Right. How did we find the officers? And that and that's also an important portion of it. The selection process for the officers, because not only do they have to complete the rigorous training, but they still have to come back to being an officer friendly in and around the kids also. And that's extremely important. I think it's important to note that, I mean, we even had it to the extent that you guys were trying to make this relationship correct between the the officer and the canine, the dog. One of our officers didn't work out the first one. That is correct. Yeah, and we've had a couple not, not make work, it through the right. program. You know, it's funny to say that because the captain and I had this conversation yeah, this we morning talking. before coming in. When I was in the school for the canine, which is a very, very extensive and a very difficult school, when one of our officers, for whatever reason, either didn't continue or didn't make it, I don't know what the circumstances mm-hmm. were, but the other there was other agencies that were in our classroom, some were HPD, DPS, Galveston County, 
they were going through an, a remedial program, and then the, the the owner of the school said, "No, we have a decent percentage of people that either fail out of the the class or quit." Yeah, and that's between thirty and forty percent of the officers. Well, don't, don't, it's don't, a rigorous. Don't, yeah, it's, it's, rigorous. it's a rigorous training for both. Those. Yes, yeah, and then if yeah. they make it, they still might then realize, "Hey, you know what? This is a twenty four seven yeah, it's a commitment. It's commitment. a commitment. It's a commitment. So that might be so. And you know what? I have to commend the, the captain, the chief, and, and Sergeant Gonzalez in regards to that because of the fact that there has been a couple of people that didn't make it for whatever reason. And, and a lot of it has to do with the stringentness and, mm-hmm. the, and the, the, the hardness of the school. So you can select an easy school and just get by, or you can select a hard school where your knowledge is going to be that much more extensive. Because the old saying, if you really want something that's good, you have to work hard for it. Mm-hmm. And you guys have made us work hard for it. And I think some, some people just don't, may not have it in them to work hard for that benefit. Right. That's true in almost every walk of life. It is. It, it is. is. It is. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm appreciative of. That's my word. I know. I've been I'm, saying, I'm I know. Gonna, uh, I, I, so I'll say I'm appreciative <laughs> of that. <laughs> I'm appreciative for, for not only the, the job that's done, uh, first and foremost, you do your job, but you also, and this is, on, this is speaking on for the entire force, uh, you you do the job the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, we're not on the street. We're in in, in schools. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, Aleaf's always been a a safe school system, safe school district. We're just trying to keep it that way. Uh, how, you 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 know, you ask how did you how did when they ask you how did you talk to your superintendent into doing this? Uh, you didn't have to talk me into it. I, I think I think school systems get in trouble when they get complacent or they bury their head in the sand or a combination of both or they think that our community would never do something like that or our kids would never do something like that or we someone would tell us yeah i mean all of those things that goes through everyone's mind goes through my mind goes through every superintendent's mind in order to protect kids and adults i'm not afraid to take whatever action is necessary regardless of whether it's been done by 100 districts or we're the first ones to do it it just made sense to me you know, it just it, it, it made logical sense that if there's a like I said earlier, short of building a wall around your if you want to keep bad people out, either you build a wall and you treat it like a prison or you put things in place to prevent it from ever happening. So you're notified before they get to you. And there's nothing better than a, than a canine. Amen. I've been hard sell to me. I've been very, very uh, happy with the results uh, since we put the program yeah, together. We've had a few we've, results. Good yeah, results. And we've had some some very, very, very good results and and I think it's been absolutely positive proactive measure that that we're not going to wait until something comes to us you know, we're actively actively looking to stop it before it gets on our campuses that old saying like I started with unfortunately so many people now especially in, in the industry are, are afraid that taboo oh don't talk about it if you don't talk the people that are not prepared are the ones that are the victims mm-hmm. when you prepare yourself you you diminish your 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 ability of becoming a victim, yep. so I think the preparedness and and you know sometimes thinking outside of the box. Although, like the captain said earlier, these kind of things were utilized years ago, and we've gotten away from it, and and now we're realizing that it, it does help. So yeah, no, I'm thinking outside of the box. All righty, well, guys, thank you again uh, on behalf of the district and our board and all of our kids and and staff. We appreciate everything you guys do to keep keep this a safe place. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, This has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers. Hope you've enjoyed today's conversation on safety and security and specifically the use of of, uh, vapor dogs in in our school system. Thank you. Have a great day.
This has been an AMP production.